Welcome to the Edubabble Emporium, the unedited and unscripted Truth Teller series. This is a program where we turn on the light, bash you in the face with the truth, and shoot arrows of wisdom directly into your brain. If the truth offends you, then you need to drink it in until the truth sets you free. Tom O'Brien's your host. Welcome and enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Edubabble Emporium Truth Teller Series, where the truth will set you free. Today's topic, equity is racist. Equity, the word equity, used all over the place. School districts are using it like crazy. So I want to read, strict. and here was the equity statement. Based on data from the past several years, large gaps persist between subgroups for academic and behavioral outcomes including between some race and ethnicity subgroups, special education subgroups, free and reduced lunch populations, and students with limited English proficiency. And we do not have a good process for summarizing and understanding this information. But if we work to incorporate linguistically and culturally responsive teaching and discipline, we would expect to see gaps decrease. If the Gap Analysis Committee prioritizes data and provides discussion guidance for building and district teams, we will better be able to address the persistent gaps. So a couple things. Thing one, notice how everyone is put into a group. You see the woke like to put people into groups because if they can put people into groups, they can generalize and they can use that group to say, well, that group is not being served. We are underserving that group. That group is marginalized because they are not performing as well academically or behaviorally. What does that allow them to do? What that allows them to do now is they can say, well, these are minority groups. And obviously, the minority groups are being marginalized by the systemically racist system, the implicitly biased teachers, and the white privilege culture that exists. So that is the essence of critical race theory. Critical race theory looks at everything by grouping people according to their race or some other category. So do we want to look at people as individuals, students as individuals, Or do we want to put them into a group, a collective? If we look at students as individuals, we can then understand why that individual is struggling. What circumstances are they experiencing at home? What are some of the choices they're making during the day that could be leading them astray? Are they not getting to school on time? Does mom work third shift so she doesn't get up on time to get little Billy in for first hour. We are able to look at those students as individuals and then we can say, here's what's going on. And it is 99% of the time something to do with the circumstances of that individual. Whether that child's making bad choices, whether they're going through something difficult at home, whether there's a lack of parental oversight. I can tell you this, 
as long as I've been teaching for 30 years, it's never been because the teachers are systemically racist. <laughs> well, Tom, how do you know that? Because you see, if you deny it, Tom, that is evidence that you are indeed implicitly biased. Oh, it is? Oh, boy. Or do we want to put the kids into groups? Collectives. Because you see, if we group kids according to their skin color, their race, their socioeconomic status, and we don't look at them as individuals, well, now we can say, well, this group is performing worse than the white group or the Asian group. So obviously, if they're doing worse, it's because of the systemically racist schools, the implicitly biased teacher. So folks, equity can only, as a concept, it can only work if you put people into collectives. That's cultural Marxism. That is exactly what happened before the Bolshevik Revolution. They separated and they pitted people against each other, mostly based on socioeconomic status. And it was very effective because that weakens the populace. And you know, you hear the term celebrate diversity, and it sounds great. It really does. And yeah, we need to be accepting and loving of everyone. I agree with that. But you know, we're at a point in our society where we need to start looking at the common characteristics and the common humanity that we all share, rather than constantly being bombarded with messages of how different we are and how this group is oppressed and this group is the oppressor. Folks, it's bad. It needs to change. And that word equity, if that word equity is in any of the printed material or on the websites of your school districts, you need to say that needs to go. Because our 14th Amendment says that we are to be treated equal under the law. And we are all to have equal opportunity for success. Equity means equal outcomes. Equal outcomes. It's not right. So... Here is a statement from the Daily Signal, and I took it out of a good article. And one of the little excerpts said that we found that critical race theory, or one of the many other names for critical race theory, like culturally responsive teaching, equity, anti-racism, woke, implicit bias, white privilege, is being taught in many school districts all across the state and is quickly on its way to fundamentally changing K-12 education in Wisconsin. Well, it's not just Wisconsin, folks. You know, parents really do need to wake up to what critical race theory is. And what critical race theory is doing in the educational world. And we need to speak up before it's too late. It's looking at everything through the lens of race. And it is putting people into collectives. No, we are to look at people as individuals. Get rid of this grouping and subgrouping. It's wrong. So I took this excerpt from the Northwest Lab on culturally responsive teaching. And this says, and this is an advocate group for culturally responsive teaching. 
When educators and students hold different cultural beliefs and values, they may have different expectations about student behaviors that could result in disproportionate discipline. For example, many U.S. schools implement expectations and routines that are developed by the teacher or the school. However, many students, especially students of color, feel more welcome in schools and classrooms that center on their collectivist cultural values. What does that mean? Well, you know what that means. That means that as teachers, we need to change the expectations that we have. If we have high academic and behavioral expectations, well, you need to change that because you need to be more sensitive to the different cultural mores. And you need to have a sliding scale. A multi-tiered system based on looking at things through race or some other subcategory. Really? Talk about pandemonium. No, folks. There is expected behavior. There is excellent behavior. There is a standard of excellence. There always has been. That is one thing about our country that was written into our foundational papers, our Constitution. We need to hold students to high standards and not have a sliding scale based on race or some other categorization. It's just wrong. The article goes on. Research-based culturally responsive strategies to promote SEL can also contribute to positive inclusive environments that reduce behavior issues. School and district leaders can review their own discipline data, disaggregated by racial or ethnic groups, to understand opportunities and challenges related to racial equity and discipline within their own schools. In other words, when you disaggregate data based on uh, race or ethnic groups, essentially what you're doing is you are doing that thing that is terrible, putting people into subgroups and taking data on the group as a whole as opposed to looking at individuals. And when you look at that group, well, then you can use that to say, well, you know, the Hispanic kids or the African-American kids are punished at a higher frequency than the white kids. So yeah, those teachers must be systemically racist or have implicit bias. That is so wrong. Folks, again, I'll hit it again, the truth. We need to look at people as individuals, students as individuals. So this comes from the American Superintendents Association, the AASA. And here's a statement they made. There are times when leaders must push the equity agenda. Our work is about taking action to remove the barriers that prevent children from accessing programs and opportunities. However, it is not enough to raise the issue of equity. Leaders need a plan and a strategy for communicating its importance to staff and community and to follow through on it. They're pushing equity. This is our Superintendents Association. Here's a statement from the NEA Center for Social Justice. Racial justice is the systemic fair treatment of all people, of all races, resulting in equitable opportunities, which is cool, but this is where it goes wrong, and outcomes for all. So not only equal opportunities, 
but equal outcomes for all. What does that sound like? Does that sound like communism? Because that was exactly what Marx wanted. Everything to be equal for all. When we know how that works. It lowers the standard across the board, the standard of living for everybody, while those in the positions of power are elevated to godlike status. In the schools, it would just be that schools control outcomes, and that's what they want to start doing. Have you noticed around the country now, even Ivy League schools are now getting rid of standardized testing, the SATs and the ACTs, for entrance, because what was happening is Asians and whites were getting higher scores. Well, if they're getting higher scores, there's only one reason for that. It's because the test itself is racist. Period. The woke culture puts that on everything. If something is not equal, it's racist. Period. No argument. The National Education Association believes that, in order to achieve racial and social justice, educators must acknowledge the existence of white supremacy culture as a primary root cause of institutional racism, structural racism, and white privilege. White supremacy culture perpetually exploits and oppresses people of color and serves as a detriment. Anti-racism is aimed at eliminating racial inequity to produce racial equity. So that's, again, from the NEA. Isn't that something? So let's go to this statement. This was written by Cheryl Matthias when she was at the University of Colorado, Denver. She's a PhD. She's one of the experts. Uh, her areas of expertise include whiteness, race, teacher education. And so let's see what she has to say about culturally responsive teaching. She says, few articulate the dynamics of how whiteness impacts the delivery of culturally responsive teaching. Using critical whiteness studies, critical race theory, and black feminist concepts, this article interrogates the effectiveness of white teachers who engage in culturally responsive teaching without first interrogating their whiteness. For white teachers to become culturally responsive teachers, they must first understand the context that gives them white privilege. One way to do this is to embed critical whiteness studies with culturally responsive and critical race literature. That is, instead of focusing only on students of color in urban teacher education, white teacher candidates need to first learn about their white selves. Another avenue teacher education must explore is transdisciplinary studies. It goes on to say, the transition of critical race theory from legal studies to education has generated a profound litany of research that theorizes its unique transformational opportunities in education. Likewise, teacher education needs to begin looking at its own theories of critical whiteness studies, critical race theory, and cultural responsiveness. So you can see here, folks, this stuff is all based on the premise that systemic racism, white privilege culture, whiteness, white supremacy culture is the reason for the ills in schools, is the reason for the ills in society. Equity is a poisonous word that means equal outcomes. 
meaning that we no longer hold students and individuals to high academic and behavioral standards. No, we change our standards now based on race. That's racist. Period. Exclamation point. That is racist. Calling white people white privileged or implicitly biased without knowing who they are? That's racist. All of this is racist. It's got to go. It's terrible. Here's something from the World Economic Forum. Now, the World Economic Forum, in case you uh, don't know what that is, they believe in the Great Reset. They're really pushing this Great Reset. Essentially, the Great Reset is this uh, new world order, this one world government system where we place all of our, you know, all of our faith in a universal supreme government unit that will take care of the entire world. It's secular humanism and it's elevating human beings to godlike status and saying, oh, they're going to be the smart ones. They're the millionaires and billionaires. They're the moguls. They're the bankers. They're the tech giants. They'll, they'll take care of us. But the problem is the World Economic Forum knows that the United States of America in its constitution and declaration of independence and the Judeo-Christian values that it was founded on is keeping them from fulfilling their mission of this one world government. So their goal is to reduce the strength of the United States of America. How do you do that? Well, you convince the people or a good percentage of the people that their country is based on racist principles, that their founding documents were racist, that the white people in that country are racist, and you need to fight against it. You need to, to, and basically what they're doing is they're trying to divide our country, and they're doing a heck of a good job. They really are. It's not just them. It's We could go on and on about that. But here's what the World Economic Forum says. Critical race theory tells the story about institutionalized racial disadvantage and systemic racial inequality. It examines how the legacy of slavery and segregation in the United States is embedded in modern-day legal systems and policies. There is a profound sense of urgency for companies to actively work to tackle inequality and the inequity that follows as a result. So, we know the corporate world is also buying into this hook, line, and sinker. We also know that many of the airlines in the United States of America are now putting quotas in and are hiring pilots not based on their you know, their qualifications and their expertise and their knowledge base, but now they are setting quotas and they are hiring pilots based on race. Now, I think equal opportunity, give everyone a chance to go up against everyone else, to interview, to show that you are the best person for the position. But when we start setting quotas and we aren't necessarily hiring the best people to fly people around in an airplane... Are you kidding me right now? That's insanity. It is wrong. Folks, we can't go down this road any longer. We need to stand up. We need to tell our school districts, get that equity out. It does not belong in the United States of America or anywhere for that matter. And we need to really make our voices heard. It's so important. And when we have 
people saying that we need to put people into subgroups and disaggregate data and look at data based on these subgroups, it's only intended to create the narrative that schools are systemically racist and, and are perpetuating a white supremacy culture or that teachers are implicitly biased. No, we need to look at students as individuals. I always have as a teacher. I will continue to do that. And all of these different you know, programs they have going, like the PBIS and the SEL and the MTSS, they all disaggregate data. They all utilize equity in all of the different aspects of their programming. It's wrong. These equity-based programs are toxic. They're divisive. They're dividing communities. They're dividing schools. It's wrong, period. It's based on lies. It really is. So we have to stand up against the divisiveness brought forth by individuals that use race, gender, and a host of different categories to pit us against each other. And they're just fabricating a culture of oppressors versus oppressed. That's cultural Marxism, folks. It really is. Although some see this victim culture perpetuation as virtuous, the countries that have adopted these divisive systems have really seen nothing but death and suffering. Latest example being Venezuela. So as a 30-year teacher, I believe that high academic and behavioral standards must be set and all students as individuals must be encouraged to meet these high levels. We must promote a mindset of victory over victimhood. Parents are voicing their concerns. They will continue to do so. And I believe with all my heart that schools will be forced to get back on the tracks and to abandon these equity ideas and equity programs. Parents don't want them. Here's a couple other interesting things that really do indicate how much parents really hate the direction that schools are going. I've seen a few surveys in the last year or so asking inner city parents about vouchers and school of choice. Over 70% of inner city parents want to have that choice. They want to make that choice where their kids go to school. They don't want it to be mandated because guess what? A lot of those schools are failing the students. Well, then the argument is, well, you can't do that. Then you're going to defund the schools and the, and the public schools will, you, you will defund them. They will fail. They will go bankrupt. That's exactly. That's why public schools need to be competitive. They need to throw all of this equity program into the dustbin of history and move forward and hold kids to high expectations and not be afraid to call a parent and say, hey, your kid is misbehaving. This needs to be taken care of. Our leaders need to grow a spine. Things are getting worse. They need to get better. And they will only get better if we abandon these equity programs. So folks, it is time. It is time to take our schools back. It is time as parents to realize your importance. 
that you need to be able to be advocates for equality, a right that was guaranteed in our 14th Amendment, and our First Amendment right of freedom of speech to explain how we feel from our heart. And also, there is nothing wrong with telling your children that their religious convictions are to be 100% respected in the schools. Schools are thinking they can promote ideologies that run contrary to deeply ingrained beliefs that staff and students have and push these things onto us? You can't do that. No, schools should remain neutral on all of these controversial topics that they are promoting. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to get our schools back. It is time. So, hey, thanks for stopping by the Edge of Babel Emporium. I hope you enjoyed it. And come back and visit again.